Welcome to Rewished, a charmed 1998 rewatch podcast. Join us on our journey as we recap, examine, and critique the series episode by episode from the beginning. We'll be keeping our podcast spoiler free. So we welcome fans, new and old, to join us in watching and reflecting on one of our favorite shows. Currently, we're on season three. I'm your host, Jess Sabanko. And I'm your host, Mia Sabanko. So before we start the new season, I do have a quick announcement for everybody. Mia and I have started a Patreon account. So if you want and can afford to subscribe, we do have four different monthly tiers available. The first is a $5 subscription that just supports the podcast and goes towards our editing and all of that type of stuff. The second gets you a shout out on social media as well as on the podcast. The third gives you all the things listed plus your name listed in the credits for each episode. And then we have a final one, which is $20 a month and gets you an exclusive post each month written by one of us or both of us, or it could be a video depending on the month. And it goes through our spoiler-filled opinions on events of the show. I'm planning for the first one to be all about Cole, so that should be super exciting. For more details and to sign up, you can visit patreon.com slash rewitchedpodcast. And for those of you who can't or don't want to subscribe, know that we still appreciate you tuning in every week and listening and interacting with us on social media. But we do have that option available. And again, if you would like to and can afford to subscribe, that would be amazing. If not, we love you just for listening. But that's all I have. Let's get into the episode. This week, we're discussing Season 3, Episode 1, The Honeymoon's Over. It originally aired on October 5th, 2000, and had 7.65 million viewers. Oh my god, just gotta say, so excited. We're at Season 3 now. Oh my god. And this one's this one's a good one. Can't give anything away, but it's a good one. <laughs> I know. I always consider season three my favorite season, and I'm excited to see if I'm still going to feel that way by the end. So Yeah. All right. Let's get into it. So we start out in the manor, and it's nighttime. And we see Prue is in the attic looking through the book and looking a little concerned. And then we get like weird close-ups of eyes and dolls and suspenseful music is playing. And then the cuckoo clock goes off and scares her. And then the door opens to the attic and Prue jumps and like throws the person that's standing there and turns out to be Phoebe, who is now blonde, and like throws her across the room into the couch. And then Phoebe's like, ow, and she realizes that it's her and she runs over to her and asks if she's okay and that she didn't know she was home. And Phoebe's, like, feeling a little jumpy, are we? And Phoebe's like, oh, yeah, especially now that we know the evil triad is behind all of those attacks. And then Phoebe says she doesn't need a recap and points out that it's freezing in there and says that they forgot to pay the gas bill. Phoebe says that she's supposed to be handling the club while Prue handles the house now that she uh, now that school is going on again. And Prue says, I will be so glad once Piper gets back. And Phoebe says, what if she doesn't? And then the phone starts ringing, and Prue goes to get the facts. And Phoebe is worried when Piper and Leo orbed out that it might be for good, and that they haven't. And they mentioned that they haven't heard from her in a month. And Prue says, 
Piper's not just going to ditch us. We're her sisters, and neither is Leo. He's our white lighter, too. So, first things first, they are so lucky that couch was there. She definitely could have, like, hurt Phoebe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm. Could have f- effed Phoebe up. No, really. <laughs> um, so, evil triad. First time we're hearing about them. Mm-hmm. Are they just replacing the council from last season with the triad is my question. How did they find out that it was a group of three or three guys or something? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure either. And, you know, they were trying to, like, be like, exposition, exposition. I don't need a recap, but it's like, we're all fucking confused, though. Like, Yeah, <laughs> like, at this point, the exposition might be a little helpful. So we never really get an explanation on what happened to this council and why they're all of a sudden the triad or what happened there, but we're just going to run with it. And now we know, because we were wondering at the end of last season, what happened to Piper and Leo? How did that go? And it turns out they started off and she's still not back yet. Apparently has been gone for a whole month. So a little bit concerning, but we will see. Yeah, exactly. And I just want to point out, I think Phoebe looks so good with the blonde hair. Yeah, she's a cutie. I love it. Yeah, it works for me. So then we are in the stairway, and they start walking down the stairs, and Phoebe wonders why Piper hasn't reached out. She says she has to know that they're worried about her, and that, you know, without her, they don't have the power of three, so they're very lucky that they haven't been attacked yet. Bruce says that it has nothing to do with luck. The triad is up to something. We just don't know what it is yet. And she's like, that's exactly my point. Piper knows this. So where the hell is she? And again, how does Piper know this? Because last we saw, we didn't know about the triad. But whatever. So (laughs) then Prue's like, well, that's why I've been studying the book. And Phoebe says it's not enough, that they're screwed without Piper and that she should be worried too. Prue says that she is worried. She says, I'm scared that you're right and that we're never going to get to see her again. And not because she doesn't want to come back, but because they won't let her because she broke one too many rules. Then they're downstairs and the phone starts ringing. And Phoebe's like, who's calling us at two in the morning? And Prue's like, probably Daryl. So they both go by the phone and Prue answers. It is Daryl. And he asks if Prue got his facts. And she goes back to go check it. And she says Daryl is tracking a murder suspect who thinks who he thinks is in league with a demon. The killer carves a demonic symbol into its victim's forehead, an inverted triangle, and he magically seems to be evading arrest. Phoebe looks at the picture and recognizes the symbol, and Prue says that she saw it in the book and asks Daryl if he's still at the Pier Street rave. Then we cut to the rave really briefly and see like Daryl walking through the party on his cell phone, following after this bald guy who we can assume is the killer. And he says, yeah, I don't think he's spotted me yet. He's headed out the back. Back in the manor, they find the symbol in the book. It's a page about guardians and the symbol is how they steal an innocent soul. Prue tells Daryl to stay away from him. And Daryl says, and let him kill somebody else. I don't think so. And keeps following after the killer. Then Prue tells him he can't stop him, that the guardians protect a mortal and take the victim's soul. Then we end up in this alleyway and Daryl goes out the door and says, listen, Prue, I can take care of myself. I got to call you back. I'm not sure where this guy is. Then from like above, the killer comes and kicks him and knocks him out and then hangs up his phone for him. And 
by the way, like Daryl's tank top in that scene is really working. Is Daryl my season three crush? Maybe. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we go back to the manor and Prue gets worried and her and Phoebe start running to grab their keys. And they mention that they're only three minutes away from the rave. Then Phoebe asks what they're going to do about the Guardian, and Phoebe says the book said to kill it like a vampire with a stake. So they head out. So long scene, but, you know, we got a lot of information there. First of all, like you said, not sure how Piper would know what's going on. Um, I mean, unless she, I guess in general, for her to leave them for a month with no call when they know they have wicked duties and someone can attack at any minute overall is should be enough for her to be like, let me call them you know what I mean yeah um but at the same time I see what you're saying and that was kind of what was going through my head on the first scene is that like why is Piper not back yet I understand the concern from Phoebe like even though they know that she's up there in the clouds with angels like what if because they broke the rules and everything something happened where they won't send her back you know yeah, especially, you know, she's been gone for a month. They've heard nothing from her. I totally get the worry. And I get, like, Prue's desire to kind of, like, stay calm, even mm -hmm. though, like, obviously she's very worried, too. Exactly. But onto this demon guardian uh, bald killer guy. <laughs> Daryl was looking kind of fine in that scene. And I want to say, I we've talked about this before for sure, but I, I love that despite his hate for this magic stuff and everything he's still very on top of making sure the sisters are okay even if it's a fight that he can't really win or go up against he's still gonna try and save any like everyone that he can in the end like it's just who is who he is as a person but I also kind of wonder like is it because he's a hero or is it kind of a pride thing yeah you know because sometimes the whole he always oh, I can handle myself like I could blah 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 and like wanting I don't know sometimes I wonder if like it's more of a pride thing about these women doing all that and him not being able to one be the one to save the day yeah and that's really interesting especially considering like season one Daryl did have so many little like misogynistic lines and stuff I feel we've seen his character develop a lot from that point uh, mostly because I think the writers just didn't really know what to do with him other than making him kind of like a foil to Andy Mm -hmm. But I do think another thing in his character, I mean, I see Daryl as a hero, but I think this is something we could definitely keep our eye on as, you know, the season continues and the show continues in general. Yeah, like I definitely see him as a hero, but sometimes with the little, I don't know that it's in a misogynistic way, but I think that it might be more of a prideful way, you know, like, or just that feeling of him not being able to help, you know, like, because very much like, oh, I can handle myself, I can do this, and other little comments that we hear him make, or I feel like I've noticed a little bit of, like, him not liking that, you know, not liking that he can't be there to help, or them telling him, like, no, we can handle it, he's like, no, like, I'm gonna take care of this too, kind of thing, you know? Yeah, and I think it's, like, I think it's one of those things that, for me, create some of the chemistry between him and Prue as characters, because I think they both have a little bit of that, like, prideful, like, I'm the one who can do it thing going yeah. on. So I feel like that's an interesting kind of, like, comparison as well. Yeah. Again, if they did something between Daryl and Prue, that'd be really good. I feel like that would have been a good mix in the show. 
Yeah, and, you know, Prue would actually have a nice love interest, I think. <laughs> yeah, seriously. We haven't met Daryl's wife yet, right? No, we've never seen her. We just heard about her. Okay. Anyways, so about the human demon guy, we don't have too much information about him yet, but obviously that's probably going to be our uh, big bad of the episode. Exactly. Our monster of the week has been introduced, as well as his uh, human counterpart. <laughs> exactly. So now in the alleyway, a little later, we see the killer is kneeling next to Daryl. And there's, like, voices going on around, and he lifts up this dagger and is about to cut into Daryl's forehead when this woman walks past and sees them and then screams. So she goes to run, and the killer starts chasing her down, and he stabs her in the stomach and kills her. And then back inside the rave, we see Prue and Phoebe walking through, trying to find Daryl. And then back in the alleyway, we see the killer is kneeling by the woman and the voices are back there again and he carves the symbol into her forehead and it starts to glow and then the the guardian that we hear of appears out of him and takes the soul then he gets up and walks back towards daryl to go do the same thing with him but then the sisters enter the alley and see the woman and they turn and see the killer by daryl so prue throws him into or onto this dumpster and they run over to Daryl, and the Guardian appears out of the killer. And he's kind of like this really big spirit-looking kind of thing. Then Prue throws something at its chest, and nothing happens. And Phoebe's like, didn't the book say they're just like vampires? And Prue said, I might have misread that part. And then he picks up the dagger, and Phoebe points out the rune on his forehead, because he had the symbol on his too. And Prue throws something into it, and he starts getting, like, electrocuted and blows up, and it kills him. And then Phoebe says, okay, if Piper ever comes back, I'm going to kill her. Damn, for a minute there, I thought we were losing our boy Daryl. I know, I was worried for him. I was like, oh no, we're not opening season three with a main character death, are we? I know, that's way too much. Couldn't handle that. I couldn't either. But here, this this little fight scene felt good to me. We got to see our killer and what the Guardian looks like, kind of how he's doing this and collecting the souls through that symbol. And obviously, almost did that to Daryl. But luckily, he was saved just in time. Yes. And I'm excited to see, like, how this story might continue and kind of what this is setting up. Exactly. So then we go to the theme and if you're watching, you might notice there is a new character who is a total cutie. Welcome to the show, Julian McMahon. Who is he? We don't know. <laughs> but he's cute. But we will sure as hell find out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then we go back to the alleyway. And we see that now it's a crime scene. There are lots of cops. And there are coroners zipping up the woman and taking her away. Then we cut over to where Daryl is being examined by an EMT and Prue and Phoebe are with him. He's saying that, you know, the only thing wounded is his pride. And we see the killer being arrested and like smiling at them all creepy. And eventually the EMT like clears Daryl and leaves. And Phoebe asks if her and Prue can leave. But Daryl tells them that they have to give witness statements. And Phoebe says, we can't be witnesses. We used our powers to stop the killer. What are we supposed to say? And Prue says, and he saw us use them too. 
And Daryl says, nobody's going to believe anything that sleazeball has to say. All you have to do is get your story straight. Without your testimony, Emilio walks. And then we cut over to the killer, who I guess is Emilio, and he's like laughing as he gets put in the police car. And Prue says, what is he smiling at anyway? It's not like he has his guardian demon to protect him anymore. And Phoebe says, and unfortunately, our guardian angel is nowhere to be found. And she looks up and she says, we could sure use some cosmic help right now. What are we supposed to do? We've never been in this situation before. And Daryl says, you better decide fast. Here comes the ADA. And there he is, the cutie from the theme song. And Phoebe agrees with us. She thinks he's cute too. <laughs> and he introduces himself as Cole Turner and asks if either of them saw what happened. And Phoebe's like, I did. And like immediately raises her hand and Prue rolls her eyes. And Cole just kind of smiles and looks at Phoebe. I must say, I would have done the same thing. He is a fine, fine man. <laughs> we don't know him yet. But uh, this is kind of, it's kind of nice that we have Phoebe having a little interest in someone. And who knows, now that he's in the theme song, maybe if he's a lasting character, this could be our new, our first love interest for Phoebe. Yes. Our first real one. So one can only hope. But we'll see what part he plays as we continue on. As for the whole Piper and Leo thing, that I was kind of wondering myself. Because we already figured out in season two that they could call him and, like, just call his name and he could show up. So if he's been gone a month and she's been gone a month, did they try calling him? Has he not answered? Have, like, you know, like, what's going on here? He obviously yeah. can hear them because we know that he can. So I wonder why he still hasn't. And that'd probably be another concerning thing for me, too. Like, if my white light is ignoring me, maybe he just, you know isn't okay so maybe something happened I probably would be freaking out a little bit too yeah and I'm gonna have some comments on that like once they return and we get a little bit more of the information um because I definitely have some questions about that whole yeah situation. some some things that don't quite add up but I think it's interesting the way that Phoebe is really worried about lying here you know, they've never been in the situation of having to be witnesses before. I can't believe it's taken this long for it to come up, considering how many crime scenes they've just kind of been at and stuff. But yeah, you know, yeah, I'm glad, glad that they finally have them kind of having to face the real world part and actions of, you know, the demons that they face, because that should be included at least every once in a while, because there's no way they get off scot-free. Like we've had that discussion where it's like, well, what happened in the real world situation? How did Daryl get through that? How did they get past this, you know? So it's nice that they have it a little more on the realistic side. Yeah. So now it is the next day or a couple days later where they're at the courthouse the day of his trial. And the sisters, just Prue and Phoebe, are sitting behind the benches, and Cole is talking to them and telling them that they're in good shape, except for the murder weapon, which is still missing. And then they ask if it will hurt the case, and he says, unless there's something I don't know about, and Prue looks down, and then he says, we should have more than enough for the judge to hold him over for trial. Don't worry, I'm good at what I do. And they all go to their places as Judge Hamilton comes in, and Phoebe says to Prue, I'm nervous, and she's like, oh, you know, witches and trials, it's that whole Salem thing. <laughs> and Phoebe says, no, I mean about lying, 
it just doesn't feel right, Prue. And Prue says, would it feel more right to just let him go? And they look at Emilio. And then the case begins against Emilio Smith, murder and attempted murder. And the lawyers, Cole Turner and Alan Sloan, introduced themselves. And the judge said that he read Cole's brief. Emilio's lawyer points out the missing murder weapon and asks what the witnesses saw. And then he's like, my client bent over the inspector. That's how they justify their attack. How did they know he didn't just happen across the scene and was trying to revive the inspector? And Phoebe says out loud, oh, please, and like rolls her eyes. And then the judge calls for order. And Cole looks at Phoebe and she whispers, sorry. And Sloan says... And why, if they were able to ease, so easily subdue him, don't they know exactly what happened to the alleged weapon? I mean, what did it just poof, magically disappear? And Emilio smiles and looks at them, and then Cole objects, and Phoebe says to Prue, oh god, he knows. And Cole's like, your honor, the witnesses aren't on trial here. And Sloan says, why? Isn't perjury illegal? And then the judge says, Mr. Turner, unless you have something else or can produce the alleged murder weapon, I'm inclined to agree with Mr. Sloan. And Cole is just baffled by this. And the judge asks about more evidence. And he, Cole says, you mean aside from the fact that he's the prime suspect in three other murders, that no less than five people saw him leave the rape just before the attack, and that everything other than the missing murder weapon makes this in any other courtroom a slam dunk? And the judge and him look at each other and he lets, and the judge says that he's letting him go. Cole says he can't believe this and Emilio gets up and is all like creepy smirky and whatever. Then Cole goes over and grabs his shoulder and says, yeah, you keep smiling, punk. I'm not giving up until I see you fry. And Daryl tells him to let him go. So he does and he leaves with his lawyer. Then Phoebe walks over to Cole and says, I'm so sorry. I wish there was more that we could do. And he says, if there's something you're not telling me, anything, if you're afraid of him, we can protect you. I can refile. And Prue walks over and says that they have to go, so they all leave. Obviously, by the end of the episode, we figure out the truth about Cole. But I'm mm -hmm. not going to say what it is right now. But I will just say, like, he is an amazing actor, Cole. Like, he is playing this role of good guy so well. Like... I know. Had I not known what was coming at the, ep of the end of the episode, I might have bought him as, like, just being. Oh, I fully, fully guy. would have had no clue. Like, I'm sure first time watch, which I can't, I'm, I'm not going to be able to remember because I was so little, you know. But I'm sure first time watchers saw this episode and were, like, shocked by the turnaround at the end. The last thing you would expect to see from him, which... I mean, I'm sure you can kind of guess by the way that we're talking, but he's playing this good guy role, and that's not quite his true character. So I have to say that I, I probably would have fallen for it, too. And I want to know, for first-time watchers who are listening to this, if they did. Yeah, I want to know what they were thinking of Cole up until we get that scene later on where the truth is revealed. Because I feel like I would have just been like, yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, Phoebe likes him. Yeah, they're going to get together. Like, those were the things that would have been going through my mind. I never would have expected the twist at the end of the episode, I don't think. Exactly. I think I think I wouldn't have either. And I, I also want to say that as, like, the lawyer, he's doing a really great job. And it's kind of obvious that something is a little off with this judge to me. That he's, uh, no, I'm sorry, not the judge. With this lawyer, 
that I feel like he might be involved in whatever Emilio's involved in. That I got the vibe from the start because of the way that he was talking and acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just want to point that out. I definitely agree. <laughs> um, and I think when the sisters kind of suspect like, oh, he knows, like I, I don't question them suspecting it. It's a logical conclusion to jump to. It felt like he was mocking them the same way Emilio would, who obviously knows all the information about what's going on. Yes. And I think, you know, something feels off with the judge, but I'm not sure if he's just a bad person or if he's demonic yet. Like, I haven't drawn my conclusion from this scene about that. Yeah. I think he he just seems like a dick, honestly. At the end of the day, I would have just been like, after this, I would have been like, you, you asshole. Like, what? You must be a real piece of shit person to think that, like, or just lazy. Like, you don't want to deal with it or something, you know? That's kind of the vibe I'm getting from the judge currently. But whatever (laughs) yeah but yeah you know this case i mean i don't know if it's super realistic or not interesting that you know it would be thrown away without a trial just because the murder weapon is missing i feel like there have been cases where you can't find the murder weapon they don't just be like okay well guess you're not the killer like obviously that would come into play at the trial but i don't i've never seen that be like the reason an arraignment gets thrown out Right, because this is just the hearing, right? Yeah, this is to see whether or not they're going to have a trial, basically. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it doesn't It doesn't make any sense that there's so much other, I guess, circumstantial evidence, but it's all there. And Daryl himself, how come... Oh, I guess because he was knocked out and he got hit from behind. Okay, because I was yeah, about so to say, how come he he's not a... Him, yeah witness you know but okay yeah now i get it but still pretty ridiculous and i have to say i'm very attracted to cole right now his whole like you know fighting for good and then like the aggression towards emilio pretty hot i must say (laughs) like it makes you think he's really gonna be like this good guy who's all about like justice and doing the right thing and yeah but like with a slight anger to him I'm so problematic, but I like the one. <laughs> oh my god, no, same. I'm like, I mean, I don't think either of us is hiding the fact that we like Cole as a character and, you know, without getting into anything that's a spoiler, like, I was trying to go into this watch very like, okay, I'm gonna see if my crush on Cole slowly develops. By the end of this episode, he had me. Like, it's not a good question. <laughs> I know. By, I mean, by first introduction, his little smile at them, like, got me thinking, ooh, he's cute, you know? Because I was trying to look at this with fresh eyes like a new watcher would. But, like, from the start, I was like, ooh, he's pretty cute. And then already, by the way, he's acting in the courtroom and talking to them, but also, like, so, like, sweet to them is, like... Yeah, when he's, like, super sweet to Phoebe and then, like, grabbing Emilio, I'm like, all right. Yeah, you got me all right (laughs) that's my man but anyways let's continue on so then we're in the manor in the living room and prue's sitting on the couch with the book and phoebe's kind of pacing she says we shouldn't have lied we should have told the truth we should have done whatever we had to do to keep that jerk from walking and prue says like what say what really happened to that knife tell the court we're witches She says, why not, Prue? Isn't it more important to keep a killer off the streets than to protect our secret? And Prue says that the judge would have thought that they were nuts. 
Phoebe says, not if you would have proved it to him and showed him your power. She says, that wouldn't have put Emilio away. That would have put us away. And then we would never have the chance of catching him again. And Phoebe says, and would that be before or after he kills somebody else? And Prue closes the book and Phoebe sits down and apologizes, but says she's really frustrated. She's like, and what about that public defender? I mean, if Emilio really did tell that PD about us, then why didn't he spill the magical beans? And Prue says, same reason as us, credibility. What I'm curious about is, is he mortal or is he demon? And Phoebe says, all I know is Cole is an angel. He was awesome in that courtroom today. And Prue says, see something you like, sis? She says, maybe. Or maybe it's just nice to run into someone that's not a college boy. More years, less hormones. And Prue says, yeah, not a bad butt either. And they both smile. Then we hear the orbing sound effect and Piper and Leo arrive and they're in the middle of a fight and in the same clothes we saw them in in the season two finale. And Piper says, I don't care what they are. It's not right and it's not fair. He says, I know that, but it's their rules. She says, screw their rules. They're wrong. And Prue's like, Piper, she's like, just a second. Leo, you better do something about this because this is not acceptable. And he says, come on. And she freezes him. She says, I'm going to the club. Do not tell him and leaves. And then Phoebe says, what was all that all about? I didn't even get to bitch at her. And Prue says, yeah, neither did I, but, and then Leo unfreezes and says, we have to talk about it. And then he looks around and Prue tells him that Piper left. And Phoebe says, yeah, so now I get to bitch at you. Listen, the next time you take my sister someplace, please call and let us know that you got there safely. I don't care if it's up there. And Prue stops her and says, Leo, can you do me a favor and go find out everything you can about guardians? They're demons, okay? Thank you, bye. And he orbs out. And Phoebe's like, excuse me, I have issues. She says, yes, I know, so do I. But Leo looked pretty beaten up already. She says, yeah, you're right, which is why I'm now going to go kick Piper's ass. And she grabs the keys and starts to go, but Prue closes the door using her power. And Phoebe says, we've had this conversation. You're not allowed to use your power on me until I have an active power to use on you, remember? And Prue apologizes, but says that she should be the one to talk to Piper. So she takes the keys from Phoebe and reminds her that she has to get to class anyway. So I love that. I feel like this moment was very Prue of her <laughs> with like the, you know, I should be the one to talk to her, which I mean, I get it because she's got a cooler head and all that, like she said, but uh, feels very Prue to like, I want to be the one. I like that their characters are still showing through. I feel like we always notice little moments like that, like the. The writers are very good about keeping their characteristics, like their personalities, fairly intact, you know? And Phoebe, I just I just have to say, even though, I mean, we'll get back to the rest of the scene after, but reminds me so much of myself. Because <laughs> I hear that from, like, Caitlin and from people all the time that, like, I'm very, like, quick to just kind of yell and say what I need to say. I'm unfiltered and, like, very much the younger sister that she is too you know like it's so funny when I see those because I I get it you know yeah no it, it is very you that is your exact reaction right like I feel like you can totally back me on that that's just kind of my personality and how I've always been and it makes you wonder because if she's written like that as the youngest sister this must be a common thing when you're the youngest child which I mean I'm not technically the youngest child out of all of our siblings but 
the ones that I live with, I am, you know, or yeah, was like in our before age group, basically. Yeah, exactly. Like I was the youngest one, <laughs> and I I kind of act the same way. So I wonder if that's just like a kind of worldwide thing when you're the youngest child. Yeah, yeah. It just kind of cracks me up to think about, but <laughs> not not really relevant. <laughs> um. I guess we'll start with the first half of the scene, um, Prue and Phoebe's conversation. So everything makes sense to me. I mean, their decision about not revealing their magic and Phoebe feeling very frustrated about this because, again, she does just want to help. And Prue kind of maintaining that more level-headed approach, which I think is fitting to both their characters. I also like the way they then transition to the whole Cole topic and Phoebe's little crush that she's developing. I think it's come up previously in our conversations when Phoebe's like, yeah, it's nice to talk to someone who's not a college boy. Yes, Phoebe, because you are significantly older than the people you're in school with. So, of course, you're going to have, <laughs> like, a maturity difference with them. Right. Like, you could be talking to 17-year-olds and just have no clue. You could be 17 and in college, like. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah, all of that. It felt very realistic, them kind of working through what they wanted to get to phoebe i understand her frustration but at the same time you know if they did spill the beans it would first of all no one would believe them at first but obviously they could prove it but then still it would open a whole nother can of worms and just cause problems at the end of the day for everybody you know and when we find out what happens later we'll see that that wouldn't have even been a helpful solution anyways <laughs> and then on to piper and leo coming back I'm very interested and curious, confused at this moment. Like, what the hell? You've been gone for a month. You don't even care. You're just going to walk out the door. The sisters must be so lost. And we are going to find out what happens there. But uh, it is really funny that they're probably all just on the page of like, what the fuck, you bitch? Like, what, <laughs> what, what, what do you mean? You're just going to go. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the Piper and Leo fight. I'm excited to see, like, what that's about, where it came from, yeah. all of that. So a lot of questions left at the end of this scene, basically. Yeah, definitely. We have a lot to to wonder about in this moment. So now we are at P3. And Prue walks in and starts calling for Piper. Then Piper walks out with papers and starts saying, like, her supplies are all gone and the books are messed up. And she's like, I don't understand. How did this happen in one lousy day? Prue's like, Piper, you've been gone for one month. And she's, like, very confused about this. And then Prue shows her the paper with the date on it. And she sees that it's October. And she's like, oh, time must move differently up there. And then Prue tells her that they thought she abandoned them. And she's like, that's ridiculous. I would never abandon you guys. If I had known I was gone this long, I would have called or orbed or somehow let you know I was okay. She's like, okay, so why didn't Leo? And Piper says, Leo was battling demons of his own. And then she remembers the bare naked ladies are playing tomorrow and asks if anyone called them and starts freaking out about it. And Prue's like, okay, can we talk about what happened before she deals with that? And Piper's like, yeah, unfortunately, the longer I'm back, the fuzzier it all seems to get. They're very big on mystery. And then starts saying how she had, like, everything was great. She just remembers clouds and, like, peace. And then it all went to crap when they said that Leo had to stop seeing each other or else. And Prue was like, or else what? She says, or else they'd reassign him and we'd never see each other again. 
just because it didn't work out with mom and her white lighter, I don't understand why I'm being punished. And then Prue says, I'm sure that you guys will figure out a way around this. And they hug each other. Prue says, Leo would never let you go without a fight. You know that. And Piper worries that he may not have a choice. So now we have a little more clarification on exactly why the the time, the timing was all weird and what the fight was about. But I am a little confused and kind of curious how uh how much they're gonna stick to this whole time moves different up there kind of thing i mean when leo's gone for a couple of hours to go check with them and comes back it's still the same day same moment you know what i mean like that doesn't quite make too much sense to me i definitely have a little questions about that yeah that that part was really confusing to me I'm just going to chalk it up to plot's sake because I feel like if I even try to make sense of it, it's just not going to happen. Right. I mean, I feel like at best we could say, I don't know, some sort of magical differences based on their positions. And no, I know. It just, it doesn't really make sense at all. (laughs) Definitely doesn't quite add up. And I don't know that that's something we are even going to, like, I don't know if that's something they're going to be consistent with, but it feels like this came out of the blue because we've never heard, like, anything different when leo goes there so not quite sure it's also interesting to me that in this scene like piper's kind of acting like patty and sam are the reason this rule exists like i'm pretty sure the rule already existed before them like white lighters and witches were just never supposed to get together right and did they the bosses ever even find out about patty and sam like i don't remember him ever being like did he say Like, I'm pretty sure they were a secret, right? Like, didn't in the notes they were, like, hiding this from everyone is so hard kind of thing? Like, I don't think that they ever even really were open about that. So I don't think that that could be the reason. Like, this was obviously an issue before them, you know? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I mean, no spoilers, but we may find out more about that situation one day in the future. And maybe we'll have more to say then. But as far as I know, yeah. From what we saw in the season two episode, no one knew about them. Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not quite sure. I mean, maybe she's just kind of projecting the whole, you know, this is like a common thing with us where things just like don't go well in our family. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that realization that she had before of like, I'm tired of losing people and all of this due to my being a witch, like it not being it messing with her life, it messing with their mother's life, Graham's life kind of kind of deal is probably what they're trying to hint at you know yeah or at least keep that idea going so maybe that's it but yeah they're definitely not the reason that this rule exists so now we're on campus and phoebe's walking with her books and her little backpack and everything she's wearing like these little capris and this denim jacket she looks very cute and cole sees her and starts walking up behind her and he taps her shoulder and when he does she like turns around to kick him and he like catches her leg in his hand and is holding on to it and she's like oh cole he's like hi how's it going and she laughs and she's like wow this is embarrassing i'm and he's like it's okay i'm okay nice calf and she's like oh thanks can i have it back and he lets go of her leg and then they're both standing there and she asks how he found her And he says, I told you I was good at what I do, although you probably wouldn't think so after my performance in court. 
she's like no i thought you were amazing it's just you were up against a uh an unfair judge and he says that you know the judge is known as free willy he has a reputation for that then he says still i know i didn't put on my best case that's why i'm here to see if you can help me do a better job she asks how and he says i don't know you tell me look phoebe i may not be the greatest prosecutor but i've got good instincts i can sense things about people things they may not even want me to know and she asks what he senses about her he says that you're struggling with the truth, that you're a good person who wants to do the right thing here, but for whatever reason can't. And she looks away and he asks how he's doing. She says, hung jury, mistrial. And she smiles and so does he. He says, if you think of anything, please call me and puts his card like he tucks it into her book. He says his home phone number is on the back and he leaves. She waves and like as he's walking away, checks out his butt and then goes to grab the card out of the book and has a premonition of Emilio carving the rune into his forehead. So <laughs> I just want to say, this is a very, very cute scene. I love the little awkwardness. It's hard to say without like showing their facial expressions and everything, but it worked very well. Their awkwardness felt very realistic. It was cute, a little flirty, but also trying to get to him, trying to actually get to the point. And like, I really did love this scene, but the start of it like a little out of place that someone taps her on the shoulder and her first move is to go and fucking like what yeah i was like this is an overreaction because like she's on campus it's not like she's like alone in a parking lot or something like i understand that being a reaction there but she's literally just walking around school like it could have been a classmate who saw her and came up to her Like that made absolutely no sense. So and and he didn't even it's not like he grabbed her. He just like tapped her on the shoulder and she was like, Oh, you wanna play? Like <laughs> and just started going at him. Like, was... Not today, demons. <laughs> absolutely no need for all that, but the rest of the scene I will say was so adorable. Yes. And it's all in the way they like look at each other. Like their yeah. eyes say everything between them, and I love that about like their interactions. They're both very good at playing the kind of, you know, uh, acting with their bodies, their facial expressions. Like, they, they're doing a very good job of that here. And I'm feeling it. Like, I'm feeling it between them, I must say. I think it's kind of cute. Yes, I'm, like, shipping them already. We're like, yeah. this is maybe we've had two, three minutes of screen time between these two so far. And I'm like, I'm loving it. I'm all here for it. Me too. I feel like we don't get to see this type of energy from Phoebe a lot. And to get it from this new guy who's like really attractive and, you know, is like in this higher lawyer lawyer position, like he seems like a great dude for her. She's so like giddy about it. Like it makes me, it makes me happy, you know? So I'm excited to see how things go forward between the two of them um, throughout the episode. Yeah. And I mean, you know, as far as him wanting to work with her more. Again, I feel like this is pushing us to believe that he is a good guy and really is trying to solve the case. Mm -hmm. So that's pushing that part of the plot forward. And of course, we get the idea that he may be an innocent. Phoebe may have to protect him because of that premonition. Exactly. So can't wait to see how that goes. So now we are at back at P3 and Phoebe is walking down the stairs saying how she needs to get a cell phone. And she walks up to Prue and Piper and tells Prue about her premonition. 
and Prue asks where it happens, and she says that it was in some parking lot, and Piper asks who Cole is, and, like, what Phoebe did to her hair, and Phoebe turns to her and goes, I'm sorry, do I know you? And Prue tells her this isn't the time, and they get back to it and realize that he maybe, that Emilio maybe got another guardian. And then Phoebe and Prue start to leave and tell Piper to check in with Leo and see what he found out feel like this is a little more exposition we got that funny moment between Prue and I mean Piper and Phoebe but aside from that not too much to say there yeah this is really just kind of pushing some things forward we're seeing that obviously Phoebe's still mad at Piper other than that I mean it's a lot of just sharing information exactly so then we're at the courthouse and we see Emilio go into this room and he says I need another guardian we hear another man's voice say what you need is to be more careful I won't protect you again. And Emilio says, I won't get caught again. I can take care of the witch's judge. And then, like, the light reveals his face. And he says, no, you can't. You're mortal. But you can take care of the prosecutor. And we see, like, the athame appear in his hand. He says, I don't want him to find out about you or me. So I love that they're trying to be, like, subtle about who this mysterious guy is that he's talking to in the beginning but like obviously you're at the courthouse in the judge's chambers like (laughs) it's obviously the judge (laughs) and then like they reveal him into the light like we couldn't already tell who the fuck it was (laughs) i know it was such a like weird attempt at mystery for no reason (laughs) like it was so obvious like if you guys had met somewhere else that'd be different but you're in his chambers at the courthouse talking to him like you need a you didn't need a have a big reveal like that like as soon as he came into the light we were all gonna be like oh my god (laughs) it's the judge (laughs) the past five sentences didn't just show me that but i guess it's him (laughs) so now we know why he's going after cole and kind of who's behind this giving away guardians or giving the guardians to the people and everything yep exactly (laughs) Which I will say, that's a smart position to be in, to do something like that. Because you can get people out of certain situations, whether or not you gain that reputation, if you're, if that's your status, like, you know, gain that reputation as free willy, like, technically it's your job, your call kind of thing. So, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think it's very smart. Um, I'm very interested in the way that demons are using the real world in this episode and we could talk more about that i think when we get to the end Mm -hmm, definitely so now we are at the police station and cole and daryl are standing there talking cole is trying to convince him that they're on the same side and he says i let a murderer go free today and that doesn't sit well with me and daryl says me neither and then he asks for daryl's help and daryl says that he's going to try to catch emilio again and daryl starts to leave then Cole says, why'd you call the Hallowells last night while well, you were on stakeout at 2.17 a.m., according to the phone company? And Daryl's like, you checked up on me? And Cole says, standard procedure, inspector. And he says, gee, and here I thought we were on the same side. I called because the sisters own a club. I thought they'd be interested in checking out the rave. Nice excuse to come up with on the spot, Daryl, I must say. It was a good um, one. I'm like, Daryl's a good liar. All right. Yeah, that was that was good. He's so used to covering for them. (laughs) Poor Daryl. And then Cole says, that was very nice of you. And he says, I'm a nice guy. 
And then Cole's phone rings, and it's his secretary telling him that Phoebe is calling. And he tells him that he's in a meeting with Daryl and, like, you know, sends her through. And kind of on the phone, Phoebe's in the car, and Prue and Phoebe are driving, and she tells him that she needs to talk to him and that it's important, and she'll meet up with him. And then in the police station, we hear him responding, and the phone's breaking up, but he tells her that he's running late for court and that he'll call her back, and he hangs up. So, done, done, done. So, I just want to say, there is so much chemistry between, like, Dorian Gregory and Julian McMahon. Like, they play so well off each other in this scene. Like, I'm loving their dynamic here. Yeah, me too. That kind of lawyer-police thing, the issues there, feels pretty realistic. And I like the conversation, the dynamic, everything that you're saying. I totally agree. Working off each other very well. You know, I also like the setup of, like, Phoebe trying to protect him, the phone breaking up, and us having to kind of see where things go from there. Exactly. So then we're in the parking garage, and Cole is walking towards his car, and we see Emilio hiding by a beam with the athame in his hand. He starts following, and we can tell that Cole notices something because he kind of, like, looks around, but he doesn't spot Emilio and keeps walking. Eventually, he gets to his car, and that's when Emilio comes out and elbows him in the back of the head, and he's knocked out on the floor. Then Emilio kneels next to him, and we hear the same voices that we heard before. Then we see Prue's new car, which is a SUV BMW, pull into the garage, and it's going super fast, and Phoebe gets out and runs towards Emilio. She goes to kick him and, like, floats up into the air, And everyone is shocked by this. Then Prue, like, comes back to it and uses her power to throw Emilio into a car. Phoebe falls down, and she's like, an act of power. And then the Guardian comes out of Emilio and says, not that active, Prue. And she throws the athame into his forehead, and he vanquishes. Then Prue goes over to Cole to check on him, and he wakes up and asks what she's doing there and what happened. And she says, I think I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. And she smiles and he looks at Prue and then back at Phoebe. You did say Prue instead of Phoebe goes over to Cole, but (laughs) but it's okay. (laughs) Everyone, I'm sure everyone knew what you went. (laughs) (laughs) So there we go with that little foreshadowing earlier. You can't use an active power on me until I have one to use on you. And a couple scenes later, here we are. Phoebe finally gets her active power next. So all that's left is for Piper to get something different. I am kind of wondering, though, but about how, like, they're connected to their original powers. Yeah. So, I mean, I know we talked a little bit about, like, Prue's two powers being connected. What's the connection in Phoebe's? Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. Um... I'm trying to find something similar, but nothing really quite <laughs> relates. Like, what? how does levitating in the air um, kind of relate to premonitions? I'm not sure. So. Yeah. Trying the to think of a connection. I'll I don't. Say, I mean, this is definitely getting into spoiler territory, but like, we will see scenes in the future where Phoebe kind of uses her levitation power as a more meditative power, which I think is when it does connect to premonition, which is a psychic power. But at this point, I'm definitely not seeing the connection. Yeah, me neither. But I mean, 
in regards to them thinking about something to give Phoebe, I guess this was pretty much the best they could do in a lot of ways. I mean, there's not much that you can connect to premonitions. I'm sure they could have found some sort of psychic way to relate it, but um, I mean, it still works. It's still okay. And we already did see like more power growth from Phoebe. Yeah, because she's gained like when her she, did she see the started, past yet? Can she? Yeah, she's the seen past? the past. Okay. Um, we've seen her like get premonitions based on different things, so we've definitely seen her power of premonition growing. Um, yeah, she's like starting she... to be able to call them, but not always. Right, she can't like call them fully, but she's starting to get adjusted to that. She. It went from her just being able to see the future to it growing to her being able to see the past. So, and now she's got this new power on top of that. It feels like Phoebe's coming in almost a little faster than the rest of them, you know? But she does seem to be the one most um, excited and determined about being a witch as far as we've seen. So it doesn't really surprise me too much, but uh, it's nice to see Phoebe with something a little more active. Yes. And I will say, part of me does question if levitation is more connected to Prue's power and astral projection is more connected to Phoebe's power. Yeah, I would definitely think that because, I mean, I could, I get it. They said the whole, well, she can move things with her mind. Why not move her body? But if that's the case, then levitating would add more to, like, add up a little more with Prue's. Whereas astral projection can be more of a psychic or is a mental thing you know like so i don't know i i never really thought of it like that but that's so true would have made a little more sense yeah but i mean i'm excited for phoebe she has an active power yeah and unless like to her martial artsiness yeah i feel like the best thing i could because it is hard to think of something kind of psychic like that but I guess the closest to her power that I would think as, like, an active power is, like, being able to move through time kind of thing. Yeah. You know? But anyways, we see, again, a cute little moment between her and Cole when he wakes up and her saving his life. Pretty nice. Yes. And, of course, they find out for sure that Emilio is able to get his guardians back and is obviously getting them from someone who he's close to yes or close we'll enough a, to yeah and we'll get an idea in a couple of scenes like who their kind of suspects are exactly can we act this one oh out? i feel like it'll be so fun okay yeah yeah i'm sorry you said that i didn't see your note until literally just now but okay do you want to be Piper um, or leo i'll be whoever you want to be i don't care i'm just excited <laughs> i want to be hmm, i want to be leo okay <laughs> we so, haven't done this in a while guys not since season two episode four but we're gonna act out a scene for you yes all right i'll leave my acting face on so now we're in the manor and it's nighttime and piper is in the hall walking in the hallway and overhears leo talking through the bathroom door saying i look at you and i think how lucky i am i mean i can't stop looking at you you're my dream come true you're my raison d'etre which means my reason to be in french and then in the bathroom we see leo is talking in the mirror and then he says every time i see you i love you even more you're so beautiful you're so special 
I can't imagine my life without you. Then Piper walks in and she's like, Leo, who are you talking to? Me? Uh, nobody. Just myself, you know. Yourself? You were telling yourself how much you love you? No, uh, of course not. Uh, I mean, it's it's not like that at all. Um, let's go downstairs and I'll explain. Actually, no, we don't have time. Uh, did you find anything out about the Guardians? Uh, no, I forgot. You forgot? Leo, what's the matter? Why are you acting so weird? Can we go downstairs, please? No. Why? Okay, fine. Um, here's good. Um, I've been thinking a lot, actually, about our situation. Leo. No, just now let me finish. I think I've come up with a solution. A way for us to be together, no matter what they say. And then he gets down on one knee and takes her hand and she her eyes go wide like, what the fuck? Will you marry me? And she just looks at him, shocked. And then we cut to the stairway and Piper is walking down the stairs very fast and Leo's following and calling for her. And Piper says, this is so not happening. Listen to me, Piper. I told you. I thought this whole thing through. Uh-huh. Is that why you asked me to marry you on a toilet? I tried to get you downstairs. Well, I'm downstairs now, and I still don't believe you're serious. I am serious, Piper. Dead serious. Right. Dead is exactly what we're going to be if they ever found out. And then she goes to try to leave again. Piper, would you, would you just stop running away from me for one minute and let me explain? If we got married, it would be a holy union. Something I don't even think my bosses could break apart. I don't understand. It's really hard to explain. I don't really understand how it all works myself, but I know that there are different levels up there, a hierarchy. What I'm trying to say is that I think a holy union goes above their heads. It'd be like running an end to my boss's bosses. An end run? Yeah, the only catch is that we would have to get married in secret, because I think the only way they could hurt us is if they found out before, so we just have to keep it quiet. Elope. Right. So that they don't find out. Exactly. You hate the idea. Well, it's not exactly Cinderella, is it? Leo, look. How do we know they don't already know? How do we know they're not listening right now? They're not. Believe me, they don't do that. So then why does it have to be a secret? Because if they ever did find out... And then they just look at each other for a minute. Leo, this isn't supposed to be this way. Marriage shouldn't be a solution to a problem or a band-aid. It's supposed to be about love and two people who love each other so much that they want to spend the rest of their lives together. That's what I want. But that's not where this is coming from. It's a fix-it, I guess, but it's not about us or love or whether or not we're even ready to be married. I came up with this whole idea because we love each other. It's all about our love. You know we're meant to be together, Piper. You know that. You went to the future and you saw that we were married in it. That means that somehow they didn't stop us. Somehow we found a way to be together, and I think this is the way. I don't know. Leo, I love you, and I know that I don't ever want to be without you, but this just doesn't feel right. I mean, getting married in secret, it doesn't feel like a holy union to me. I'm sorry. And then he looks so sad, like so devastated, and Piper does too. And then the door opens, and Prue is calling for them, and Prue asks if he found anything out, and they're both still just looking at each other, and he says that he didn't yet. And then Piper finally walks away, 
and Leo's like, I'll see what I can find out, and orbs out, and Prue and Phoebe look around a little confused. So we got a fucking proposal here. Oh my god, Piper and Leo might get married. What? Season three, episode one is hitting us hard in the chest, but look at this conversation. It makes me want to cry. I know this was like the whole reason I wanted to act out this scene because I didn't want to miss a single line of it. Like every line here hits. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's well written. It's well acted. Right. There, there's no way that we could uh, quite show you just how intense this moment was. And it was heart wrenching. And I cannot believe that Leo just proposed to her. And it's so funny that this is the way that it's happening. I want to say I fully understand. I mean, I totally get what Leo's saying. I do. But like Piper said, that's not exactly every girl's dream. And it feels like, you know, are they ready for this? This came out of nowhere. And it's not really about what it should be about. It's not about how much they love each other. It's about finding a way to be together despite what they say. Yes. Which, like she said, it's more of a solution, a band-aid. And it kind of isn't the way that she wants things to go. So I totally understand Piper's perspective. But I also understand Leo's perspective where he does love her and at the end of the day would love to be married to her at some point and also believes that it's the only way that they can be together. So it's such a hard situation. Yes. And I think at this point, like, they're both on the same page that they are soulmates, right? And that's why Leo's like, why does it matter if we get married now or three years from now? If they're going to try to separate us, like, we should just do it now and be together. I get where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. But again, like you're saying, Piper's perspective, I mean, Leo and Piper have been together kind of in this on and off weird, like, romance for two years. But they've been legitimately dating maybe six months. Yeah. So, like, I get her being like, this feels rushed. Like, we're not at that stage yet. Exactly. I I totally agree. So both sides of it do make sense to me, which is why they did such a good, like, I want to say they did such a good job at making this such a conflicting moment, such an emotional moment, and so intense, and kind of what's going to happen here, you know? Yeah. So I'm really excited to see how that continues on and how that goes. Yeah, me too. So then we're at the police station, and Emilio is in the interrogation room with Daryl. And Cole walks in and asks if Daryl got anything from him, and Daryl says he's not talking. And he's like, yeah, seems to be an epidemic, and kind of throws some shade at Daryl there, and they look at each other. Daryl tells him not to do anything to compromise his case, and Cole says, what case? He's already gotten away with murder. You really think they're going to nail him for hitting me over the head? And Cole sits on the table near Emilio and offers to make him a deal. He says, obviously, whoever's protecting you isn't going to keep doing it much longer, especially since you keep screwing up and getting caught. So you might want to pay attention. And he looks at Emilio and says, I want you to get a message to your friend. Tell him I know he sent you after me. And because of that, I'm going to personally bring him down. And Emilio smiles and says, you don't scare me. And Cole's like, no. And he slams his fucking head into the table and like grabs his throat with two fingers. It's like hot. So hot. Holy shit. And Daryl's like, oh my God, like let him go. Cole's like, you have no idea who you're dealing with and like walks out and tells him that he'll see him in court. 
so sexy so hot i <laughs> no other words to describe this moment everybody loves a bad boy with a good heart you know what exactly saying? goddamn right we do <laughs> <laughs> like i'm concerned with how attracted to this violence i was i know that that wasn't quite right of me but uh definitely gave me some feelings but yeah no i mean i totally understand where cole is coming from i mean do i think this is an appropriate reaction in real life of course not no the context of the show like i love it um Mm -hmm. i think it's establishing cole as like this defender right and he's really like maybe it's coming from a place of you know you tried to get to me but it's also coming from this place of like i'm gonna get this guy put away and whoever he's working with no matter what and i like that yeah i think that's a big part of uh what's so sexy about it all right so now we are in piper's room and we see piper lying in bed and then prue and phoebe come and get next to her and sit on the bed and phoebe's like do you want to be alone and piper says no but it looks like i'm gonna be leo asked me to marry him and phoebe and prue like get all happy and they're like oh my god and she's like i can't do it and phoebe's like what do you mean you can't do it piper you love him she's like of course i do with all my heart but why does it gotta be so complicated why can't i just be a normal person in love with a normal guy and prue asks if leo thinks that getting married is the only way around them And Piper's like, yeah, but he's not even sure it's going to work. And then Phoebe says that it might work and says that you and Leo, or says Piper, you and Leo are destined to be together. You guys have the kind of love that girls dream about. I know I dream about it. How about you? And turns to Prue and Prue's like all the time. And Phoebe says, and I understand the risks, but if you don't go for it, isn't it an even bigger risk? And then that's when Leo orbs in and he tells them that they think the sisters stumbled across some sort of evil conspiracy in that courtroom. One where an upper-level demon somehow assigns guardians to the criminals who are set free. And then they say that that explains why Emilio had two guardians, and Phoebe su- suspects that the judge might be the demon because of what Cole says to her, or had said to her. And they realize that Emilio's arraignment is in an hour, and they need to come up with a plan. So I really love this sister moment here. I like the way that they're supporting Piper and kind of taking care of her as she's kind of like struggling with this decision. And I love when Phoebe and Prue are kind of saying how they dream about having a love like Piper's. I think that that's something we've talked about too because we've wanted like them to have serious romantic interests like Piper. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just this idea that their love should conquer all. I think all three sisters believe that and that's really sweet. Right, which is what sucks, because we know at the end of the day, Piper does want to marry Leo, and Piper does love him so much and wants the relationship to work out, but it's very rushed, and, you know, like I said, it's like she had said, all the concerns that she has are what's holding her back in this moment, and it's not, it didn't go the way that she had always hoped that it would go, so... I understand the confliction, even though her sisters are very supportive of it and kind of being like, oh, this is awesome. And she's like, but for some, like, I just can't, you know? So it's a, it's a, it's definitely a realistic moment, a realistic emotion from all of the sisters, a very cute sister moment. And um, yeah, I, I, I was very happy with this scene. It definitely, you definitely could feel it, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, as far as Leo's part in it, that's really just setting 
us up for kind of what's going to happen at the trial and getting them to that courthouse. Exactly. So then we're at the courthouse and the sisters are and Leo are all walking in. And Piper says, can't we just come up with a spell or something? And Prue says, no, a spell could backfire on us. And Piper says, so could this. And Prue says that the worst that can happen is that it doesn't work. Basically, they want her to freeze just the innocents. And Piper says, so why did you do that to your hair? And Phoebe says, I wanted to change my luck. <laughs> I feel like that was a cute little thing to throw into that moment. Um, I feel like the purpose of this scene is just to show us what their plan is. Yes. So now we're in the courtroom and Daryl is sitting behind Cole and the seats are all empty. But then the sisters walk in as Sloan is asking, you know, the judge how many times the prosecution is going to harass Emilio. And the sisters go to their seats and Cole asks for a minute to speak with them. And the judge says, it's late, Mr. Turner. Either you have a case or you don't. And then he asks why the defendant attacked him if he was innocent before. And Sloan says there was no proof that he attacked him. And then Cole continues going on and Prue's like turns to Piper and she's like now. And Piper tries it, but it didn't work. And so she tries it again. And then finally it does work. And then they realize that the only people frozen are Cole, Leo, and Daryl. And they're like, oh my God, it's all of them. And the judge turns and says, kill them. And then the sisters run out and the judge morphs into this like really creepy demon thing. So what a cool moment. I, I really like this. I have to say like the whole them figuring things out and their plan and the way things go. I love it in this episode. Um, You know, we got Cole, Leo and Daryl as the only ones frozen and everyone else in the courtroom is going after them now finding out that you know obviously they figured everything out that's pretty sick to me yes I totally agree um anything else there not really except the effects are getting a little a little better about the the demon that the judge turns into yeah I'll agree with that too we are getting a better budget this season as far as special effects go like we've grown so much from season one as far as special effects go agreed so we're in like the some office connected to the courtroom and the sisters run in and they close the door behind them and Prue asks if she can freeze them and Piper says no they're immune to it once they're immune to it they stay that way that's why it's called immunity on the other side of the door, we see that all the people are trying to break in and the judge is telling them to get out of the way and then he throws a fireball at the door and the sisters are trying to figure out what to do and Prue says that the best defense is a good offense and so she uses her power to throw the doors open and then Sloane starts coming at her with a gun and Prue uses her power to throw him and Phoebe starts fighting the court reporter. Emilio goes after Piper and she tries to freeze him, and when it doesn't work, she picks up a baton, and he pulls out the athame, and they're like, everyone's fighting multiple people, and Prue and Phoebe are, like, kicking ass with all their martial arts skills here, and Piper knocks out Emilio, and then once everyone is knocked out, Piper's like, wait, if they're demons, where are their powers? And then we see the judge is starting to walk away, and he says, come to me, and out of every single one of the bodies, like, a guardian comes out. And he goes into his chambers and the sisters start following after him. And when they leave the room, we see Cole move. And then he kind of like teleports out in this like blurry type of effect. 
so I, I don't even know so much here <laughs> i mean i will say the whole immunity thing once they're immune they stay that way i feel like that's kind of bullshit like you specifically chose in that moment to freeze them that doesn't mean that they're just forever immune to being frozen especially yeah. if they're all human that felt a little i mean i get it for plot's sake but like come on yeah, I was um, gonna say Piper is frozen and then unfrozen and then frozen again. People like that exactly. Makes no sense. It doesn't doesn't quite add up, but I like it because it got them all to kick a little ass. I feel like this is the first or one of the very few times where we get to see Piper actually throwing some moves in there too. And again, of course, Prue and Phoebe are kicking ass like they always do. But um, again, it does kind of annoy me. Like, where did Prue get her fucking martial arts skills from? Obviously, we saw it from Phoebe. But we've heard Prue mention training, and we've heard, like, her and Phoebe, like, planning to go to martial arts classes together. When? Like, if you think back to the episode with Evan Stone, she was talking about how she, like, has taken, like, Aikido and stuff. So she's, like, familiar with martial arts. I think Phoebe's the most skilled at it, but I remember there was even a season two episode where, like, Prue, this was when Prue was still working at Buckland's, and, like, her and Phoebe were going to a martial arts class, but they were going to have to cancel because her work schedule was too busy so like it's been established that they've she's taken classes oh okay yeah i guess i just don't remember those moments and so that's, that's why for sense. me like it makes sense that both of them have these martial arts skills whereas like piper is just like doing her best at fighting and not like great but is ultimately able to take out emilio yeah okay fair enough then but i i, I didn't i didn't remember those so i i guess that's probably my issue but um <laughs> Still, it worked really well. It was cool when we see the judge run away with all the guardians and find out that they're all humans that he's given guardians to. So they're all, you know, that's why none of them were, like, throwing powers and shit. And then, there we go. Like, we find out right here and then, Cole never froze. Which means he's evil, too. Yup, he's a or at bad least, guy. at least not innocent. And then we see him teleport. So... Kind of get the idea. Cole's a fucking demon. Yep. Oh, it's crazy. I love it. So now we're in the judge's chambers, and the judge goes into the room and closes the door, and then Cole appears behind him in that blurry effect, you know. And then um, the judge is like, what the hell? And Cole's like, thanks. I'll take it from here. Very smug, and he holds out his hand, and flames appear on the judge, and he screams and, like, starts getting vanquished, and then Cole teleports out of there and goes back into his place and into his frozen position, and the sisters come in and see the judge burning, and they're, like, really confused about what happened, but they're like, okay, well, whatever, we just need to get back before Cole unfreezes, and they go back over there into the courtroom. So I just want to say props to Julian McMahon because like the Cole we see in this scene with the judge is so different than the Cole we were seeing in every other scene. Like that switch up from like, maybe I'm an innocent to actually I'm a demon is so well played. Yeah, he killed that. And the little like, <laughs> like, thanks. Like, <laughs> I got it. Like, you know, and then just kills him. It was so smooth so perfect the switch up was great and then for him to go right back into his exact position and look exactly the same 
it is shocking to me that like i mean i assume he must have heard them in the background or was listening in and somehow knew what their plan was but for him to like freeze at the perfect moment like killed it yes so then we're back in the courtroom and piper asks how they're gonna explain this and phoebe gets an idea and picks up the baton from the bailiff and she's like i'm so sorry and hits cole in the back of the head with it he falls to the ground then Piper unfreezes the room and Phoebe kneels by Cole and asks if he's okay. He asks her what happened and she's like, aren't you getting tired of asking me that? And he kind of is like, what? And then she's like, says that Emilio tried to escape and all the courtroom people tried to help. And Prue's like, yeah, thank God for Daryl. And Piper's like, yep, save the day. And Cole's like, what? And Phoebe's like, something good happened. Can't you just accept that? And he says, it's not my nature absolutely love that like okay still getting the flirtiness and everything and him obviously acting like he's good for phoebe and all this oh i'm so i'm so in love with this moment right now like (laughs) yeah i feel like in phoebe's head you know having to keep these secrets and everything from cole like in her head she's getting herself into like a hyper and dan situation she does not know the real situation she's gonna get herself into here I know. Little does she know how things are actually going to go. <laughs> and I'm so excited to see future, you know, things of that. I mean, I know technically we're just assuming that he's going to be back, but obviously this is a big introduction and he was in the theme song, so we can kind of get the idea. That his character will continue, yeah. Exactly. So now we are on the final scene of the episode. And we're at P3, per usual, and <laughs> the bare naked ladies are playing, and people are dancing and everything, and Piper's behind the bar pouring drinks. Then Phoebe and Prue walk up, and Phoebe is happy that she got the ban and apologizes for screwing up the club. And Piper's like, oh, Phoebe, don't. I owe you guys an apology, and thanks for covering my butt. And Phoebe says, not a problem. I didn't even really notice that you were gone, actually. And Prue's like, liar. And then Phoebe laughs. And she's like, yeah, I've been doing a lot of that lately, unfortunately. Especially to Cole. But hopefully I won't have to lie to him anymore. And Prue says, yeah, well, something tells me he's not going anywhere anytime soon. Foreshadowing. (laughs) She says, no complaints here. And Piper says, uh, one over here, hottie that he is, he is an assistant DA, which makes him somewhat of a threat to us. And phoebe says yeah but at least he's one of the good guys and then leo starts walking down the stairs and prue looks over and sees him and says speaking of the good guys and piper looks and sees and goes to walk over to him and they say hi to each other and he's like look piper maybe it was a mistake and she stops him and cuts him off and says that she thought about it and she says last night in the courtroom i was actually scared For a minute there, I thought I wasn't going to make it. And that's when I realized that I don't want to die without ever having have been married to you. The answer is yes, Leo. And then they smile at each other. It's the cutest thing in the entire world. And they hug and then kiss. And that is how we finish this episode. Oh, my God. It's so good. So good. Officially engaged. I cannot believe it. I'm so excited. And I want to say that even though this episode never really stood out to me as like an exciting monster of the week episode, 
the like I feel like all of the Emilio and the Guardians and everything was some background shit while we were really getting in on some important information between Piper and Leo, the start of, you know, some sort of demonic flirtation and this guy trying to claw his way in, which is obviously what his goal is as a demon, you know, Cole. And it's it's so exciting to me. Like, we're starting off on a great note, you know? Piper and Leo get engaged, and Phoebe may have a love interest, but he's also a bad guy. Like, I'm so excited right now. I'm so excited. Yes, and I also really love the way this scene between the sisters is really establishing this, like, but Cole's one of the good guys. Like, all of that when we know the truth. Like, I love yeah. that. It's nice, because I wanted to see... um because at this point, obviously, we know he's going to be back. And I want to know how successful he is, how long he is able to, how close he's able to get to them before being revealed. Or, you know, because we know, obviously, but they still don't. Yes. So it's pretty exciting to see if Cole's going to give himself away, if, you know, how they're going to stop him. Maybe it's just a small little arc, and I'm I'm excited to see how this goes from here. Yes, me too. And I'm also excited to see kind of how far up Cole is in this demonic hierarchy that we're slowly learning about. Yeah, exactly. I do want to know because he was able to kill the, you know, guardian demon with no issue. Not that we really know how... I mean, they did mention that it was an upper-level demon controlling the Guardians, right? So we know that Cole okay. is probably upper-level, too, if he was able to vanquish that demon so easily. Exactly. So that's why I'm, like, kind of wondering what his status is. And very excited to see that progression and, of course, whatever happens with Piper and Leo, them getting married and having to keep it in secret. It's going to be pretty nutty, I think. Yeah, I totally agree overall thoughts great episode like i said not like the most exciting monster of the week episode but in every other aspect this was a great episode and definitely an important one yeah i think season two had a really strong season premiere this one might be a little stronger in my opinion what was the i'm sorry what was the season premiere for season two again the, the it was first the one with abraxas where they were revealing oh, yep. all the old demons yeah um, and I think the one reason I'm going to consider this episode stronger, this isn't really a spoiler. This is something that's kind of commonly known if you know anything about the show. But season one and two, they did have some ongoing plot lines. But for the most part, there were a lot of standalone episodes in both seasons. Whereas season three does have a more continuous storyline, which I think we're going to see get established over the next few episodes. And I think that's why this opening stands out to me, because it's setting up so much for the future. I think I think I definitely agree. Like we we have a lot to look forward to going forward. And as we continue on in this episodes, we'll see that viewers will see that and kind of probably understand and be on the same page about just how strong the opening was. Because, like you said, we really didn't have too much consistent plot lines going on, lasting plot lines going on throughout season one and two, and now we're finally starting to establish some things, you know? So, I'm really excited to get into all of that. Me too. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you want to reach out to us or follow us on social media, we're on Instagram and TikTok, at rewitched underscore pod. Or you can send us an email to rewitched.pod 
at gmail.com. Also, if you would like to subscribe to our Patreon, we have several monthly tiers available at patreon.com slash podcast. Either way, we appreciate you listening and hope you'll join us back next time for Season 3, Episode 2, Magic Hours.